Good Sunday morning to you, Grace Trenton folks. It's good to be with you as we are worshiping the Lord together, even as we're scattered in our homes together. Uh, this morning for our time together, I want to look at Psalm 42, which I think is a great psalm for right where we find ourselves right now. Psalm 42 is a psalm of lament, which a lament is like a holy complaint. It's uh, coming to God and pouring out your needs, your fears, uh, your struggles to God. And one of the remarkable things about the book of Psalms is that over half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. And as we look at the Psalms, we see the psalmist coming to God in every type of situation and hardship and state of their heart that you can possibly imagine. Now that's an amazing thing just right off the bat that that shows us. It shows us that God invites us to come to God right where we are in the midst of our struggles and our circumstances and our hardships and to be absolutely honest with God about what we're feeling, about our fears, about our doubts, about our struggles, about our confusion in the circumstances we find ourselves in. It's very easy in the Bible Belt to think that uh, to be really spiritual means that you're always positive and you're always happy and, and because we're blessed by God and because He's so good, we need to always put on a happy face and wear a mask. And what the Psalms teach us is that that is not what God wants us to do. He wants us to be real. We have the freedom to come to Him right where we are and be absolutely real about our hearts. In fact, He wants that because He wants real relationship. And we actually have the freedom to be that same way together with one another as believers. We don't have to pretend that everything's rosy whenever it's not. God wants us to come to Him right where we are and be real. And that's an amazing freedom. So Psalm 42, I'm not going to read it here. I want you to read that together as a family, maybe a number of times. But what I want to do is walk us through and just point out a few things about the psalm here. One of the things that we find about this psalm is that the psalmist is in a place of deep hardship, of uh, depression, of brokenness, of emptiness, of confusion. We see all of those emotions being poured out in the psalm. Number of things that we see here. One in verse 5 where he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? That's actually a phrase that is repeated. He makes uh, also reference in the same words to the second part of verse 6. My soul is downcast within me. Uh, also in verse 11, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? So we see him repeating this and it flows throughout the psalm that he's crying out to God and he's saying, I'm in a hole. I'm depressed, I'm confused, my heart is disturbed. And he's bringing that honestly to God. Another thing that we see that just shows us the place in which he is, is he makes a number of references to his tears. Look in verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. We see also in verse 9, the second part of verse 9, he says, why must I go about mourning? So the psalmist is in a place where there are tears and there is crying and there is weeping going on in his life. He also feels forgotten by God. Look at verse 9. I mean, amazing that we have the freedom to actually say that to God. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
Verse 10, my bones suffer, suffer mortal agony. So the reality is he comes to God and he says, where are you? I don't feel you. I feel like you have forgotten me. I mean, he's, he's complaining to God in that way. And, and God invites us to be absolutely real about those feelings that we have and those doubts that we have. And that's exactly what the psalmist is doing here. Now, what are the circumstances that he finds himself in? Now, there's a few references that are made here to the circumstances, but he doesn't get super specific, which I think is on purpose because it allows us to relate to him and his experience no matter what we're facing. A number of things that he says. Uh, second part of verse 3 says, While men say to me all day long, Where is your God? In verse 9, second part of verse 9, he says, My foes are taunting me saying to me all day long, where is your God? So there's this aspect of which he is being uh, persecuted. He is being uh, attacked from other people. But even more broadly in verse 7, he just makes reference to the circumstances and the difficulties that have come into his life. And now interestingly about verse 7, he attributes those not to something random in his life, but to God. Look at what he says. Verse 7. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now in the Bible, uh, water is very commonly a metaphor for chaos and trouble in one's life. And that's how he describes his circumstances here. He says, it's like, it's like I'm in the sea and these waves are just crashing on me. And the moment that I begin to emerge from the deeps, I get hit by another, another wave. It's like I'm under a waterfall and, and just the circumstances are crashing down on me. Have you ever experienced that reality in your life? You ever been in a place where you're like, the hits just keep on coming? For some of us, 2020 already feels like that, doesn't it? And it feels like as we watch the news and as we watch what's taking place, it's like, what's next? I mean, it just keeps rolling in the circumstances and the hardships in our life. Now, another thing, and this is really what drew me to the psalm, is he remembers, he looks back on a day that he was near to God and worshiping with his people. Look at what he says in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul to you. That's what he's doing, pouring out his soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. So in his circumstances here, he is far from Jerusalem, far from the place of worship. He cannot go into the temple and meet with God there. And I just am reminded now as we are in our second Sunday of not being able to worship together, I think the reality of what a gift it is to be able to worship together is it's just more real to my heart. Because I'm like, we, we can't gather together and worship like we were. It... it, it it's, it's starting to feel like so long ago that we were together and worshiping even in this space. And that's what the psalmist is saying. I remember the days when, God, you were near, where I was in your presence, where my heart was filled with joy as I came into worship. But now in this place, God feels distant. 
So the question is, what does he do with this? Being in this place of being far from God in the midst of his circumstances, of being depressed, of not being able to have a sense of God's presence and nearness in his life, what does he do with this? It's a huge thing to see here. Here's what he does. He seeks God in the midst of the hardship. We see that over and over, and we've talked about this before as a church, that the Psalms teach us not just how to listen to ourselves, to listen to our heart, but to talk to ourselves. What's very natural is whenever we're in a circumstance, to listen to our heart, and our hearts will say, hey, what's next? Hey, God has forgotten about you. Hey, uh, we're just waiting on the next shoe to drop. Hey, what, what is this next thing that's going to happen in my life? And a, lo- a lot of times whenever we sit and dwell on those things, we just imagine the worst. We just imagine that we're cursed in some way. And, and it, truth be told, often we're just listening to ourselves. But what the psalmist teaches to do is how to talk to ourselves of how to take our soul to task, how to use the truth of who God is, the truth of the gospel, the truth of his word on our hearts, how to preach the gospel to ourselves. We talked about that a number of times, how we need to learn how to do that, how to learn how to use the the truths of God's promises and his word on our own hearts. And that's what he does here. He he takes his soul to task. Verse 5 After he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Second part of the verse, he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Says the same thing, uh, he repeats it in verse 11. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. So he's saying to himself, praise God in the place of dryness. Praise God in the midst of the circumstances. Praise God in the midst of of uh, God seeming distant in your life, in the midst of the doubt, in the midst of the confusion. Remember what is true of God. He uses the truth of God's promises and who He is upon Himself. And He says, even in the place where I don't feel God, I'm going to worship Him in this place. I'm going to seek His face. I'm going to look to Him. That's what He chooses to do in this place. That's a tremendous picture of faith. I think very often we think of faith as like a feeling, a feeling that comes over us. Either you have it or you don't. But whenever we come to Scripture, the picture that we see of faith is like what we see here. Faith is a choice. Faith is choosing to trust God whenever I don't feel Him. Faith is choosing to... uh, uh, look to God and seek God and depend upon God even whenever the circumstances seem to oppose His promises and what I know to be true of Him. Faith is not the absence of doubt. That's a huge thing for us to see. The reality is all of us as Christians doubt. Can we just be honest about that? I know all the time we... We feel ashamed of our doubts or guilty of our doubts or we feel like that's something that we have to hide and and we can't let other people know about our doubts. But the reality is, is that apart from doubt, you cannot have faith. Faith is not the absence of doubts. Faith is choosing to believe in God in the midst of doubts. It's choosing to cling to something that is unseen even whenever what you can see seems to contradict that. 
is choosing to trust in what we cannot see. That's what Hebrews chapter 1 tells us very clearly. So what the psalmist does here is in the midst of the hardship, he says, I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to trust in what you say to be true in your word. I'm going to trust in not what I can see in my circumstances, not in what I can feel, but in what you have promised me. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to preach the gospel to my heart. The reality is, is in the midst of our circumstances, our depression, our fear, our worries, the reality that we find ourselves in here, this very unknown, uh, this very hard and very isolating, the psalmist calls us to seek God's face, to call upon Him, to seek Him in His Word, to preach His Word to our own hearts. That's how we're to respond in this place. Now here's the main thing that we learn from Psalm 42 and what we learn from so many of the Psalms. God deliberately brings us into these places because this is what awakens a hunger for God in our hearts. That's one of the primary things that we learn in God's Word. That what's natural in our hearts is to be in a place of independence, of self-reliance, of not needing God. That's the shape of our hearts. And so what God does, and this is His pattern of rescue in our lives, His pattern of renewal, is that He brings His people into difficult circumstances. He strips us down. He, he brings us into the wilderness. He, he brings us to a place where doubts are big and where we cannot sense His presence. I mean, oftentimes God will withhold and withdraw a sense of the nearness of His presence in order that our hunger for God might be awakened. That's how God works in our life. That's exactly what happens to the psalmist here. I mean, he finds himself in this place where God is distant, where his circumstances are hard, where he's down and depressed, where he is worried and anxious. Look in verse 1 and 2 what happens and emerges in his heart. Look at what he says. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Do you see that powerful expression of desire for God? That's what those circumstances that God brings in our life are intended to draw out in us. All the hardship that we face, all of the difficulty, all the uncertainty that God brings in our life, and it is not by accident, it is God that brings it into our life. The intended purpose that God has in our life is to bring us to this place where we begin to hunger for Him, where we begin to pant for Him, where we begin to thirst for Him and long for Him. Because the reality is, we're not going to seek His face. We're not going to seek satisfaction in Him alone apart from the thirst. Apart from the sense of emptiness. You know how it is. How, when does food taste the best? It tastes the best whenever you're hungry, whenever you're starving. So in order for us to seek God, He's got to bring us to this place of thirst. He's got to bring us into the desert. He's got to bring us to a place where our hearts begin to be parched. And we begin to say, oh God, I need you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm finally discovering in this place that it is you that my soul thirsts for. You see, that is God's purpose in our life. Now here's the tendency of our hearts and of our flesh. Our tendency is to search and, and run after all kinds of other things to quench our thirst. The moment we begin to, to feel some discomfort, the moment that we begin to feel anxiety, the moment that we begin to face hard circumstances in our life, we have all these things in the world that we run to to quench our thirst. We want to distract ourselves. We want to run to, to Netflix and get lost in entertainment and scrolling our social media. We want to, we want to medicate ourselves with things like, like food and drink and, and uh, all of those addictions and things that we run to for comfort and peace. The reality is, is that our lives are filled with things that we run to to medicate the pain, that we run to to, to quench that thirst. And the reality is, is that it doesn't quench. It doesn't satisfy, but seldom do we even discover that because we're just chasing after something else. This is the shape of our hearts. And I bet the tendency for, I know it's true for my heart, but I bet for your heart too, is in the midst of what we're facing right now, that, that more and more our hearts are going to want to cling to something in this place, to escape in some way as we face the uncertainty of tomorrow, as we face uh, the fear of the economic impact, as we fear uh, getting sick. The tendency of our hearts is to say, i got to find something to medicate this, to escape into. And that's what our hearts are always doing. But what the psalmist is inviting us to do is, is to say, no, just sit in the pain. Sit in the loss. Sit in the fear. Get face to face with it. Don't escape it or be distracted from it. Feel it. And as we begin to sit in it and feel it, what we may begin to experience is a hunger and thirst for God to begin to emerge in our hearts. This is what I'm praying will happen in us as a church. I'm praying it for myself. I'm praying it for our nation. I'm praying it for the church around the world. I'm praying it for the whole world that in this place of great disruption in our lives, of uncertainty and fear, that this would begin to awaken a deep soul thirst for the living God. That's my hope in the way that we will respond to this. That we will begin to seek the face of God. I think the ultimate question for us as God's people in the midst of where we find ourselves is what will we do with this? Will we find ways to entertain ourselves and be distracted and avoid the reality that might begin to sink in on our neighbors who are not able to distract themselves? What will we do with this? Will we spend more time on the internet and more time in Netflix and more time escaping? Or will we seek the face of God? Will we call on His name? Will we get alone with God? Will we open His Word? Will we say, no, the things of this world will not do. God, we ask you to come and make your presence real to us. You see, God responds to the intensity of our calling upon Him. He, he wants us to, to long for Him and to hunger for Him. 
And the more intensely we as a, as a people are calling on Him and saying, God, You must show up. You must come near. You must quench our thirst. God, we long for You. We pant for You just like a deer pants for streams of living water. Lord, nothing in this world will do. We want You. As we do that, God will draw near with real power. His, he will pour out His Spirit upon us. That, that is my hope for us. That is what I challenge us to do in this time, is to seek the face of God. I mean, as it, you're at home, and I'm assuming we've got a lot more time at home, just find times where you say, I've got to go meet with God. I'm going to go outside. I'm going for a walk. I'm going to go into my room and shut the door. Find that place for you where you can be quiet, where no one else is around, and seek the face of God. When you're around the dinner table as a family, say, uh, listen, we're, we're going to talk to God in this moment. We're going to get before God in this moment. We have got to find ways and avenues to call on God the person of God. So that's my challenge to us as we come to Psalm 42. We see that it is no accident what we find ourselves in, the circumstances, the experiences, and the feelings. We don't have to medicate those. We don't have to deny those. God says, listen, bring it to me right where you are. And I've brought this, that your hunger for me might grow, that you might seek my face. As I said last week, this is an opportunity. It's not an accident. It is an opportunity for the people of God. What will we do with it? Will we call on the name of God with greater intensity? Will we allow a hunger for God to emerge in our hearts? That is my prayer for me. That is my prayer for us as God's people. That is my prayer for His people around the world. May God bring renewal and revival in this time. Let me pray. Father, we come before you and we ask you, pour out your spirit upon us with great power. Lord, would you use these circumstances and, and just, Lord, prevent us from running to medicate and running to escape and running to distract. And would you just center our eyes and our hearts upon you and would we come to this place that the psalmist is, in the midst of his circumstance that he says, I long for you, I thirst for you. When can I come and meet with you? He has come to the place where he realizes what his soul most longs for and needs is the presence of the living God. To know and to experience your love and your nearness. Lord, that is my prayer for us. Would you, by the power of your spirit, help us to seek your face in this moment? Father, I pray, would you bring renewal and revival to your church in this time? In Christ's name we pray, amen. Good to be with you, Grace Trenton. Keep in touch. Talk to you soon.